Okay, Bible and Daily Lifers, here we are. We are in John's Gospel, chapter 14. We are coming to the end of the life and the ministry of Jesus on earth. And uh, there's so much in this chapter. I hope that we can uh, get to it. So let's just jump in. Chapter 14 of John, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Wow. Man, we could just camp out there and unpack that. Don't let your heart be troubled. There's so much trouble in the world and we get so distressed and we get so stressed out. And, you know, just trust in God. Trust in God. I think it was Billy Graham who said, yeah, I don't need to worry. I've read the end of the book. <laughs> I know how it ends. So uh, knowing how it ends and knowing who he is, you know, why should our hearts be troubled? We should trust in God and we should trust in Jesus. And let's just move on and enjoy life. The Apostle Paul said he's given us all things freely to enjoy. You know, we're here to enjoy life and to enjoy God. And no matter what our circumstances, we can enjoy God under persecution, under difficulty and in, in sickness and stress, whatever. We can enjoy God. So don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. Well, you know, the old King James says many mansions, and I'm going to stick with that one. <laughs> but, you know, this house, Jesus was a carpenter is what they say, right? They said, Isn't, wasn't that the carpenter's son? And Well, you know, God made the earth in seven days. Uh, you know, it says that all things were created through Jesus. So, you know, Jesus is the, the creator of the universe, the creator of everything here did it in seven days. He's been gone for 2,000 years building a place for you and me. So I think that's going to be pretty amazing. I think that'll be pretty good, huh? So, all right, many rooms. If it weren't so, I would not have told you. Jesus is telling us the truth when he's telling us that there's a world to come and there's a life to come and wherever he is, we'll be with him. So, you know, once we die, we'll be with him and where whatever it is that he's preparing for us, we'll see it. We'll see it. We'll be there. He said, would I, uh, would I have told you that I was going to prepare a place for you? If I wasn't, he was. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may always be where I am. He's coming back to get us. This is kind of the picture of the old Jewish wedding customs where uh, the, the bridegroom would go out and he would prepare a place for the bride. He would go out and build the house or build the addition to his family's house, whatever it was. And when it was all done, all the building was done, he would come back and he would get the bride. And the, the custom was that he would get the bride at a time that she didn't expect it. You see, they were engaged, just like we're engaged. We have the first fruits of the Spirit in us. And so we belong to him. We're not there yet, you know, living in that eternal home. But he's going to prepare an eternal home for us. And he's going to come back and he's going to get us at a time that we don't suspect, a time that we don't know. So we're just waiting for him, just waiting for the bridegroom to come. Can't wait, really. <laughs> It'll be great. And he said, you know the way to the place that I am going. Well, what is the way? And then Thomas said to him, Lord, uh, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Well, good for Thomas. Uh, you know, it's maybe the thought of some of us when we get there. Well, what is the way? Where, where are you going? We don't know. What is the way? How do we get there? And Jesus said, I'm the way. 
I'm the way. How do we get there? How do we get into the abundant life? How do we get into life everlasting? How do we get into the world to come? How do we get into the place where we'll be with Jesus forever? How do we get to the place where we'll be gathered together at the wedding feast of the Lamb? Uh, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Just trust in Jesus. Follow him. Love him. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, that's a sort of a radical statement. Uh, Jesus is saying that there's no other way to God. There's no other way to reconcile our relationship with God. There's no other way to eternal life. There's no other way to the world to come except through him. Except through him. Kind of a narrow statement. We live in a very inclusive world right now, and it's, it's trying to become more and more inclusive. And Jesus, in the midst of an inclusive world, he makes himself very exclusive. Uh, the, the narrow way, Jesus called it the narrow way. He said, wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. Uh, so there's a place for the Christian to be narrow-minded. <laughs> and uh, we shouldn't be narrow-minded about everything. We shouldn't be narrow-minded about life. We shouldn't be narrow-minded about the future. We shouldn't be narrow-minded about potential. There's, you know, there's so many things we should not be narrow-minded about. We should be listening to people, learning from people, learning from life. But when it comes to eternal destiny, uh, it's okay to be narrow-minded. In fact, you need to be narrow-minded. You need to find that narrow way and get on it. And Jesus says that he is the narrow way. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, C.S. Lewis, who wrote right after World War II, so, you know, how long ago was that? So, uh, you know, 50, 70, 75 years ago, C.S. Lewis was writing, and he said of this statement that uh, you either believe it or you don't believe it, and you have some options with it. Um, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So you can say, well, um, Jesus was uh, a liar. He was you know, telling people to put their eternal destiny into his hands and into his trust. And he's lying. He's, he's deceitful. Well, you need to figure out, you know, was Jesus the most deceitful human being that ever came on the planet? And, you know, he made that statement. Uh, uh, he he was a, a, a liar. He was a, a, a lunatic. He was he was crazy. Um, you know what kind of person would say something like this? That there's no other way to get to God except through me. Well, you know maybe he's lying about it. Maybe he's you know evil. Uh, maybe he's crazy. Uh, some people in the New Testament, you know, they thought he was crazy, or he's the Lord. So he's liar, Lord, or lunatic. Uh, I think that if you examine the life of Jesus, and go ahead and examine it, that's what the Gospels are here for. The Gospels are here so that you can examine the life of Jesus and see if, in fact, he is the Son of God, if, in fact, he is the one who he said he, he was. And you can, you can research that. You can read that. That's why the Gospels were written. In fact, John says that this Gospel that we're reading was written so that you could believe. He gives the seven miracles, the seven accounts, shows us about Jesus. So read it. Read the Gospel of John and decide for yourself. But is he the liar, the Lord, the, the lunatic? He's, uh, he's the Lord. He's the Lord. So verse 7, if you, really, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you, you do know him and have seen him. So if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. What's God like? People always ask, him, well, what's God like? He's like Jesus. So if you want to know what God's like, just watch the life of Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus. Well, he's not here for us to watch, so he's ascended into heaven. He's no longer here with us, so how do I watch him? You go to these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read about Jesus, and you see who he is. 
and you see him for what he is. And so right after Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, uh, Philip says to him, uh, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. <laughs> These guys are so slow. They're so dense. You know, they're, they're just like us. You just don't, just don't get it. You know, and Jesus is just so patient with them, just so patient with them. Uh, and he said, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you this long? Come on. Come on, dude. Um, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works. So the works, the miracles that he's done and the seven miracles that are recorded in uh, the Gospel of John. Verily I say to you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they'll do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be, may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. So Jesus is saying that he's going to ascend into heaven, and when he does, the greatest evidence that he ascends into heaven is found in Acts 2. That's when he pours out the Holy Spirit. And when he pours out the Holy Spirit, the, the things that Jesus was doing are the things that, that we will be doing um, but what does it mean greater? Some people say, you know, greater in number because, you know, Jesus, you know, you have the, the miracles that are recorded here and there are many more things that he did beside that. But now with the growth of the church, the people of God over the centuries and the Holy Spirit living in us and God working in us, the, the number of these things, you know, has just grown astronomically. And uh, so it goes on in um, chapter 14 and Jesus says this, uh, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you an advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit is going to come and dwell in the disciples. The Holy Spirit is going to come and dwell with us. The world can't accept him. The Holy Spirit is only for believers because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. The Holy Spirit in the world drawing people to Jesus. And then when you come to Christ, when you make that decision, when you come to him, accept him, receive him, whatever, you know, whatever language you want to use, Human language doesn't really work for what actually happens, the supernatural experience of the Holy Spirit coming into us and indwelling us. And Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. The Holy Spirit will come to you. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you'll see me. You'll know. You'll know I'll be with you. Because I live, you'll also live. On that day, you'll realize I'm the Father, and I that I am in the Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. And whoever has my commands and keeps the, keeps the one who loves him, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Wow, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming to live in us. Uh, Jesus comforting his disciples. He's the only way. The Spirit comes in us, and we know that we know that we know because we have the Spirit in us. So Bible and Daily Life, I will continue in the Gospel of John. Hey, bless you guys. Love you. Peace, peace, peace. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Grace, grace, grace.